Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Brittenstein's monster. With uh, oh, all the powers of that guy, I've got uh, bolts, I've got electric powers, and strong. Big head. Big head. That's me, spooky time, Brittenstein's monster. Here to uh, <laughs> spookify and terrify with my assemblage of body parts from corpses. I think that was a really solid way to set the tone for this episode. <laughs> you know, I think it was because we're all dealing with different, we're all dealing with October in different ways. I'm gearing up for my birthday. Everyone knows it's uh, Octobrin. <laughs> that's the. Uh, that's the biopic of Octomom that I'm going to be in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, and uh, Tyler and Alex are dealing with maybe the scariest thing of all, sleep deprivation. But uh, that's okay, because we're, we're together now. I actually feel kind of bad, because I feel like, especially for the last couple of weeks, I haven't really been able to enjoy these movies as much as I would like. Sure. And not that they're, you know, the first one, the first Scream, obviously, is the best, and it's kind of been declining quality, but I, I do feel like if I was in a better headspace overall, I could sure. I could get a bit more enjoyment out of these. But yeah. instead, when I watch them, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. I, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> the podcast is not homework, but occasionally watching the movies, because I've had weeks sure. like that, too, where I'm like, I have nothing against this movie. I just don't want to watch. I only, right now, I want to do something I want to do. Sometimes you've had months of that. Yeah. And it's all my fault. No. <laughs> James Bond. <Stop. coughs> I was thinking Halloween. This is Halloween. One came before um, the other. But our friendship comes before all things. And that's why we keep doing the podcast. As long as there aren't too many more alien movies. <laughs> that's true. Are there supposed to be any more? Uh, no. I, Neil Blomkamp um, was going to do one, <laughs> but then I think they took him off of it. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, I, don't, I think I, don't like I think at this anymore. point I think Noah Hawley's doing his show. No, oh, okay. no, I think I'm, that's it. Do you guys think that after the success of Prey, they'll make a new movie called Alie, where it's just like what if the Xenomorph showed up in like that, <laughs> like seventeen seventy five? That doesn't look like anything to me. Um, we're talking <laughs> about Scream Four uh, today, which uh, is a movie by somebody that Alex is going to inform us of now. Yes, that is correct. Guys, we're good at this. We are just a we are. A, we, it's a not like we've done this for more than now. half a decade or anything. <laughs> no, you know, man, we are we are as as locked in as ever. Yeah, you guys want to talk about uh, local commercials some more? I mean, we are we are on it. Uh, Scriforum, directed by Wes Craven from 2011. Uh, it has a 60% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 56% mm. audience score. Hmm. One of my coworkers uh, is a big uh, uh, Scream fan, and uh, I've mentioned that to them that we were watching the Scream movies, and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, Scream 1, 2, and 3 are great. 4, we don't talk about it. And I was like, oh, interesting. And I don't feel that strongly about it, but I can see why this would be the one a lot of the, the sort of diehards would, would dismiss. Interesting. I think... Yeah, I think my hot take is that I do like this one a little more than Scream 3. Sure. Uh, I don't think it's really on the level of the first two. But uh, 
mostly because I think the the third act is a lot more satisfying in this. Sure. Um, it's at least it's it's swinging for the fences more, and yep. there's like kind of more zaniness, and I think it's it's more on brand mm-hmm. for the first couple of movies in the franchise. And it has a little clearer of focus in terms of it's very aware like we're kind of a reboot we're kind of doing that thing so that gives it a little more direction of what it's trying to talk about through the movie yeah um and if you're gonna have a twist where somebody's related to sydney and they're the killer uh it works better in this than uh (laughs) than the blofeld nonsense Uh, brofeld please brofeld yes um which is Christoph Waltz in like a flat brimmed baseball cap turned sideways. <laughs> Which he would do. He, he would shows do. up and he's like, Now, James, I don't think you appreciate my ability to floss. And then starts doing the fun <laughs> dance. Do bros do that? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I guess that shows what I know <laughs> about youth culture and also male yeah. friendship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the. This was another one where, like, I, I I watched all four of these several years ago, um, and it was pre-COVID, which warped all of our brains. Um, but it was another one where I thought I remembered what the twist was at the end and then was kind of totally, like, maybe not totally wrong this time. I, I kind of remembered bits and pieces, but I kind of put them together in the wrong way. Um so I don't know if we want to dive straight into that as far as like what what the, the twist is or if there's anything else we want to... We can go ahead. It's the most it. interesting part of the movie. Put it out go there. Ahead. Yeah. Um, so basically the idea is that Jill, who is uh, Nev Campbell's cousin... Yeah. Emma, uh, Emma Roberts. Cousin, Emma Roberts. Uh, she is uh, ultimately part of a, a group... Or not a group, but part of a duology... We we have another two killer set up here, which is uh, the correct way to do this. Um, looking at you, Scream Three, uh, where she is working with the movie nerd Charlie, uh, who is a Culkin. He's Rory of some sort. Rory Culkin, maybe the creepiest character on Under the Banner of Heaven. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe. you sold Certainly me on watching. It's debatable. <laughs> I already I already want to watch that, but you sold me on remembering to watch that. Um. But the two of them are are kind of plotting the whole time because they are trying to set up uh, a basically create a movie uh, that is filmed from the perspective of the person they are trying to frame, who is Trevor, Jill's ex-boyfriend. And they're trying to basically like create a exactly like we were talking about uh, in the last episode, Alex, I think you you raised the suggestion of this of like it's a snuff film. Oh, that was me. Yeah. Or was that you, Burton? Yeah, that like this is a thing that uh, they are trying to sort of recreate the original events of Scream, and now they can be it, it can show them being the heroes, and right. then they'll be able to escape and, and sort of cash in on that fame. Um, so literally, they are trying to remake the first movie uh, and and the events of the first movie. So there's a very good like reboot na- narrative theme thing going on there um i thought i remembered that uh hayden pinetier is involved mm-hmm. somehow uh i thought i remembered that she was it was maybe like her and jill but very early on i was like that doesn't make sense because there are scenes where they're together and like both of them are acting like they don't know what's going on but nobody else is around so i was like 
I don't think I have that right, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope yeah, there is a twist. And there totally was. I forgot that Charlie was involved, um, which they do a fun thing with because then they make him be the person who sits in the chair and ends up stabbing Hayden Pinnatier. Uh Which, like, why didn't she heal? What <laughs> What's going on with that? Uh, why didn't she but, use her ant wings to fly away? Sure. Uh, but they uh, end up murdering all the other children and almost kill Sydney. Uh, and then we get a fun, literally this movie does like everything most Halloween sequels were trying to do better, I <laughs> including did get Halloween a, 2018. Yeah. No, I did get a real strong and Halloween, Halloween sequel kills. vibe. And at first I wasn't thrilled about that, but by the end of it, I was like, this is the better version of that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause it ends in a hospital. We get a yeah. hospital brawl. Uh, Dewey gets, uh, beat over the head with a bedpan. Yeah. Uh, it's good times. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's wild. It's over the top. Uh, Emma Roberts' performance turns into this really crazy, fun, campy thing, uh, and I liked it. I, I will say I, I was struggling with a lot of her performance towards the end, sure. but it was. I really like that every one of these movies, Nev Campbell has gotten a good final mm-hmm. line. Um, they've been varying degrees of it, but this one was the thing about re- uh, thing you forgot about reboots. Don't f with the original. And I thought they were gonna just. I thought it clear was gonna be her her big line mm-hmm. which was still good and this it was it was before that moment but it was in during that scene where i messaged you guys that nev campbell is so dependable yes like she's so good in this like oh man how great yes and i really like the the i can understand why people are, are upset that net that sydney isn't more of a fixture in this movie um but i also like where she is at mm-hmm. it that she has written a book that if the excerpt is any indication is maybe not that great but uh <laughs> oh yeah hot harsh. take sorry Ooh. but um but that the, which I, but i like that journey for sydney that she's like no i'm gonna actually tell my side of the story i've been a character in a narrative for so long i'm just gonna claim my own story and tell you guys how i actually feel and what happened um i like that for her she's got she's got allison brie running around playing um a character that i guess judy greer wasn't available for um sure. which is not an insult to either of them they're both great but those are the kind of parts that Judy Greer gets uh, stuck with. Not um, to be confused with Judy, the policewoman. Yes, who also could have been Judy Greer. <laughs> yes. Um, that was very funny, the constant saying de- de- Detective Judy. That was pretty good. But yeah, the, once again, the cast in this movie is crazy. Um, but anyway, all that to say, Nev Campbell, uh, I think is, is just really good in this. I like what they put Sydney in this, and I think she just continues to just be really, really solid and great. Yeah, I really like the cast in this. That was kind of one of the main things that was kind of getting me through the movie. Um, like Adam Brody, let's go. <laughs> yeah, who was Adam Brody in this? He was he's, one of the. He was one of the two cops. He's not Anthony Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> the other cop. Okay, yeah, yeah, because you, yeah, that was giving me Halloween vibes too. Because I'm like, aren't they supposed to be like talking about stupid sandwiches before Michael Myers like <laughs> eviscerates them? The, the fact that like. <laughs> I had, I mean, clearly I had forgotten most of this movie by the time we watched Halloween 2018, because man, this, this, this movie and the last movie, I feel like really do a lot that it's like, we get to Halloween 2018 and they're like, Ooh, we're doing kind of this cool, interesting reboot thing. And we're kind of like, uh, you know, turning the the narrative on its head and we're, you know, flipping it and like they're they're fighting back against michael myers and like here's all this like stuff that we're doing that's kind of a a meta narrative thing uh 
<laughs> this movie does all of it better. <laughs> like the there is a full deconstruction of the cop scene of of the classic like okay there are two cops who are on a stakeout in the car and then one of them gets out and gets murdered and the other one's like where did he go and he gets out and he gets murdered too they they have a conversation about that they're like oh you know like whoever leaves they're gonna get murdered and they they kind of bring up the uh randy's horror movie rules yeah they kind of talk about that a bit of like well you can't say this you can't be a rookie who yeah, uh, whose whose wife just got pregnant or just found out that he's having a having a kid. You can't be a guy who's about to retire from the forest. Like they talk about all that and then like basically freak themselves out that they're gonna be murdered and not be able to like end up in the same place if one of them leaves. Uh, and then they go through all that. They have a scene. They walk around. Um, then they both end up talking, and Anthony Anderson uh, pranks. Uh, guy adam brody i almost forgot the name you said a minute ago um and uh and then they both get murdered yeah Uh, anthony anderson gets this really horrifying murder where he gets stabbed in the forehead and then uh he says f bruce bruce willis because they were talking about how bruce willis is the only cop who ever gets to survive any movies it's great it's it's a ton of fun it's like that's a fun like you you had multiple you had an analysis, then did something else interesting instead. Mm-hmm. Like that's what these movies should be doing all the time, and I think this movie has quite a few good examples of that. I will say only because this is going to be a tone switch, but only because we're on it. Anthony Anderson's death really upset me in this movie. <laughs> it's it's, so it's shockingly graphic. It's it's very graphic, and it's I, I have learned that I'm I really don't. Okay. To, to to preface this, one one of my least favorite angles on movie criticism is. That's not how that would happen because sure. you're watching a movie. And depending on what the movie is setting up, that's a very valid criticism. And obviously, if the movie is breaking its own rules and making itself hard to believe, sure. But like if you're watching an action movie and you're like, that's they would totally be dead at that point. It's like, well, what movie? Mm-hmm. You, you're watching Die Hard 4. What do you think would happen? Like, stop it. Or even like, worse, Die Hard Five. Like when people <laughs> when, when people take the like, that's not if a superhero was real, and I'm like, you're already. You, yeah, you've, yeah. you've discredited your argument. Like, they're not real. You're wh- oh, well, I guess people can uh, just not watch half of the episodes of this podcast. No. Sorry. No. <laughs> but, I'm, but what I'm saying is, like, movies set up their own world, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. their own structures of rules. When you try to apply real-world logic to certain movies, you're, you're, it, it's an unfair thing. And I think that, that that usually smacks to me more of somebody trying to show off how smart they are than actually, like, talking about a movie. Um, having said that, it, it always, re- I, I do think believability and veracity and all that stuff works in movies. But I really don't like when I, in death scenes in movies, when like you see the brain damage happen. Like this happened, mm. like, I'm not going to get specific, but this happens in the first season of Deadwood. And it's really like harrowing and awful that this person is clearly brain damaged and is dying. And they're like, it, it's it's upsetting. And that happens in this he gets stabbed in the forehead. And this I I had this weird double beat of going, okay, first of all, if he got stabbed in the forehead, he would just be dead. He wouldn't be walking around and able to sure. talk. Like he would just be down. But also you are acknowledging that he has brain damage because he's kind of stuttering and he just takes a swing. And it wasn't like, oh, I got I mean part of it is he got blood in his eyes, but he's not facing the kill, you know what yeah. I mean? And so all of that was just like a weirdly like oh this is feels very real in a in a scene and in a movie that is hyperbolic this feels like a much more grounded we are trying to 
be realistic in in a way but then they tack on the f bruce willis line which i like Mm -hmm. but if he had gotten stabbed in the chest or something i'd feel a little bit differently about it but that they have him not acting brain damage truly but like that that kept getting in my my perspective of it and so i was just like this is a little too grisly emotionally for me um where you are both uh, it, it seems like you're both embracing real world logic and also denying it in a way that is not exactly harmonious, but mostly just makes me feel bad. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I was not super comfortable with it until he has the end line. I was like, okay, that retroactively makes at that point. I'm like, okay, this is fun, palatable. but I kind of, yeah. yeah, I kind of wish you had set up the death right. to be. Yeah. Similarly, uh, Helison Marie is way too believable in her death yes. scene. Uh, yes. That is harrowing. Agreed. <laughs> she, she is this like random, uh, you know, kind of fairly, fairly uh, predatory is probably not the right word, but like uh, m- money focused and kind of self-centered uh, yeah. press agent for Sydney. Uh, just this random side character who's kind of comic relief at a couple of different points. Um and then uh, she gets kind of cornered at her car. <clears throat> the killer has turned the, uh, or has, has messed with the wiring of her car so that her car can't start. And she's getting like trapped and, and trying to like get back to the stairwell in this parking garage. And she is horrified. Yeah. And like, she plays it exactly the way somebody in that situation oh, yeah. would do it. And she's, she's a great actress. And so mm-hmm. it comes across really, really well. And I was like, I'm a little upset. I'm I'm a little like yeah. this is this feels too real. <laughs> like, yeah, and and like I I feel like these movies have always straddled that that balance really well of being like it's yeah. believable enough for what this movie is, but it never feels like you're quote actually watching someone yeah. go through that experience. And this one moved too much in the direction of like oh this feels this feels actual in a way that I am am perturbed by. It's it's a little bit like. <clears throat> The uh, babysitter who gets babysitter slash assistant in Jurassic World who gets sure. horribly murdered by a pteranodon and then eaten by the water monster. Yeah, uh, it's it's a bit of those vibes. Th- these movies, obviously, people are getting murdered left and right, so it's yeah. not as like it doesn't stand out as much or feel as like totally off base. Um, but same kind of idea. It was like ah, she was not the greatest person. I don't, <laughs> I yeah. don't know how I feel about watching that whole scene go yeah. down. Yeah. I, I think overall, and this, this feeds into just, like, how wonderful the acting is across the board, I felt a lot more invested in the characters that mm-hmm. died in this one than I mm-hmm. feel like I have, at least since the first movie. Sure. Um, when Hayden Pinetier, Kirby, like that twist where, you know, she thinks she's won the game and then she gets yeah. tricked by, uh, by Rory Culkin. I'm like, oh! No, I didn't want her to die. I actually yeah. kind of liked her. <laughs> well, and and uh, I thought she kind of redeemed herself. She starts off being pretty unlikable, and then you like slowly yeah. get to to learn a little bit more about her. And yeah. I was uncomfortable, like with uh, their friend Olivia, uh, who who is killed. That also is mm-hmm. maybe the first time these movies have felt more le- not leery, but it felt a little more trying to be titillating because she's just walking around yeah. in her bra for a while. And I was like, these movies have been really good about not sexualizing their characters, even though they are movies about college and high school students who want to have sex. They've done a nice job of, of, of subverting that horror trope. And like, we're not making objects of yeah. people. We're not, and they don't fully make an object of Olivia, but for the scream movies and it felt like hoving more towards the Halloween. Uh, yeah. Subject. The, the death is more violent as well. Like she gets pretty horribly stabbed and like yeah. dangled out the window and yeah. see her I mean, ripped apart on the bed. And like, 
And maybe that just feeds into the time and place yeah. where this movie came out. Because, um, you know, just thinking about it in context, obviously you have like, I think Paranormal Activity was starting around this point. So found footage was the big thing. But like you, you had a lot more of the grisly torture porn type films that sprung up between Scream 3 and this. So you've got like the Saw movies. You've got the rise of Rob Zombie. Oh, Both okay. of his Halloween films came out between Scream 3 and this. Yeah. So I think that does feed a bit into why the violence is amped up the way that it is. Yeah, I could see that for sure. And I, of course, I, they, they do yeah. call attention to it in the movie, but not not right. on that level. A little bit of trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. 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 And again, like in the on the scale of slasher movie grisliness this movie is not as bad as what you might see in a rob zombie <laughs> halloween movie right. it's not as objectifying it's not but for the scream movies have felt like oh i guess we're here now <laughs> like yeah. at, only at times though um yeah i, I did you, how did you guys feel about the multiple fake outs at the beginning because they do the fake out that they're watching stab six and then it turns out mm -hmm. that instead that they're watching stab seven and i was like is this the rest of yeah the it <laughs> i did like Every five minutes i did yeah like, so though, it, it's because uh, i briefly sorry. had the thought man Kristen bell's hair like who wears their hair like that when they're just sitting around watching a movie oh it's a movie and a movie that makes sense yeah she's not in pitch yeah. perfect too she's in i get it um yeah so are there three total opening murder scenes because we have the murder scene that is actually the opening to stab seven or no the, yeah. the opening that's the 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 murder that is the opening to stab six where they're talking about. Yeah. Where it's Lucy, it's, it's Lucy Hale and another actress. It, it, it ratchets up the like, Oh, you really have to deliver here. And I think ultimately they, they do with kind of the, the third act twists yeah. and everything. But I, I do feel like it kind of gets uh, <laughs> really, really twisted around in a way that is like, where are you going to go from here? Because yeah, uh, yeah we, they, the two girls are talking about uh, what happens in the stab movies every time and uh -huh. like how that that's so like unbelievable. And then it happens to them. And then uh, Anna Paquin and uh, Chris, is that the one with Kristen Bell? Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the two of them are sitting on a couch watching stab six and they realize that's the intro to stab six. And then Kristen Bell murders Anna Paquin and, because she's like, how's that for a... complaining too much? Yeah, <laughs> she's like, how's that for a twist? And then that it's becomes how... the opening to stab seven. Yeah, it's how one of these episodes is going to end? I'm going to no. get stabbed <laughs> gonna... by Kristen Bell. But much like Anna Paquin, you'll be the only Academy Award winner. So, oh snap! God. Um, until then... Jerry O'Connell gets his. Yes, uh, <laughs> incorrect. Then... K kangaroo jack 2 yes which is it a happened musical. again it's called it's called kangaroo jack folie aru <laughs> does well, that I think that's all the time to, we have for today the best we get to reunite made. scream alum jerry o'connell yes and, and anthony anderson here's what i want to know is the kangaroo gonna be in scream 5 i hope so if not i can't go higher than a b that's fair <laughs> Um, if it is, K. Oh, man, yeah. For kangaroo. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, well, and then there's, they, there's they, one they of they them. They zoom out, and then yeah. that's where it is actually the two characters who we spend the rest of the movie following the fallout of after they get murdered yeah. by, eventually we find out, Jill and 
Charlie. Britt Robertson um, is one of is in one of the pairs. Yes. I can't remember which one she's. That's with. the that's the real. That's the top level. That's the that's real. The, okay. That's that's the dream world. <laughs> so then who is who is she? Because it's Lucy Hale and somebody. It's Anna Paquin and Kristen Bell. Who's Britt Robertson with? It was somebody else that we knew or that I knew. I'm gonna look it up. Keep talking. Clive Keep Owen. That's Clive not. Owen as a teen. <laughs> Jerry <girl>. O'Connell. <laughs> Clive Owen. I just can't wait until. Till this senior year is over, I can't wait to go to college. <laughs> it's me, Clive Owen. Um. Yes, I I think it ends up working pretty well because they go so so over the top with the ending. Amy T. Garden from Friday Night Lights. Yes, that's right. That's right. I didn't know that. Um. But uh. It does. It does start off on like a how? How are you gonna? How are you gonna play out of this? Yeah. <laughs> how are you gonna get there? Uh, it's gonna. It's gonna take a second to settle in. Um, which this movie still does have quite a bit of Gail Dewey and Sydney. Um, and I, I think if we're talking about the stuff that I think bogged down in between that intro, which I, for the most part, I really did think that was great to, to just go completely over the top. Again, the last movie was like, all right, we're doing stab three. We're, we're, we're making stab three while we're making, while the events of scream yeah. three are happening. So that's like interesting. This is totally jumped in. It's like, this is scream four, but we're talking about stab six and seven. Like we're yeah. totally like way deep into this horror franchise. That's totally gone off the rails. Like we can play all sorts of things with that. Um, and get into the reboots and all all that stuff. Um, the uh, middle of the movie, I feel like one of the biggest things that I was like, I wish they just weren't doing this, is the like love triangle between Dewey, Gale, and Judy. Yeah, that felt a little um, weird. That, I yeah. felt like that kept kind of tugging away from the interesting stuff of the movie to be like... Yeah. Oh, maybe what's going to happen here? And then, in, I, I mean, it would bother me more if something came of that or if, like, any of them died. Sure. Uh, but at the end, there's they all kind of reconcile, and it's like, oh, okay, Judy saves Gale, and, yeah. like, everyone's kind of fine. Um, well, and also that, like, it's so... Judy's the only one complicating that, because you never get the yes. sense that Dewey's interested in her. He's like, no, yeah, I'm Dewey, married to But Dewey's Black. also, like, not, like, pushing back sure, sure, enough. Sure. I feel like he's kind of just like... Oh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. She's great. She makes lemon squares. Like, it's <laughs> right. like not. Right. It, it's a weird vibe the entire time. And there's some tension between Gail and Dewey. I guess it was also maybe set but, up Judy as like a red herring. Like, oh, is she maybe doing this? A little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel um, like Judy should just be played more like she's very by the book. And that's why she doesn't like Gail. She doesn't. Mm. She just doesn't like Gail interfering. I feel like if they went that way instead of love triangle shenanigans that probably would have been the better way to play it if you need drama in that subplot at all yeah yeah look when you do love triangles in movies you have to do them very 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 carefully because most of the time they suck anyways like in what what's your favorite love triangle in a movie twilight is it jaws uh, <laughs> between Roy Scheider, <laughs> Roy Scheider, the shark in the boat. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> or Lord of the Rings between Frodo, Gollum, and the Ring. <laughs> Actually, that's that might be. <laughs> I have some legs. 
Yeah. Um, uh, I, I did want to make one fun call out. So uh, we do have our, our pair of, of cinephiles in mm-hmm. this movie. So you've got Charlie and Robbie. Uh, Charlie is Rory Culkin, as we already talked about. Uh, Robbie is Eric Knudsen, mm-hmm. who he's been in some other things. But the biggest thing I know him for is being uh, part of the band Crash and the Boys in Scott Pilgrim vs. the oh, World. Oh, wow. He, he's having a back and forth with the other Culkin brother that's not Macaulay in that film. And he's going, our next song is called oh, Kieran. We Hate You, Please Die. <laughs> oh, that's him? I yeah, saw that's, the... That's funny. I saw that credit and I couldn't remember who he was in the movie, uh, which clearly means we should just do that uh, as a one-off podcast episode at some point. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I know that name. I'm sure I've seen him in other stuff too. And he's, he, I I will say in this one, one of the things the screen movies have done nicely up to this point has been, they've had characters that I would find annoying if they were in another franchise. And in this, I don't find them annoying. I did find him annoying. (laughs) Which, like, he's kind of supposed to be, but also, also, he has a thing about if the only way to survive a horror movie is to be gay, because you'll be protected by PC culture, I guess, is what he was getting at. Um, well, that's what he he specifically says, like, it's actually flipped to where the only way to survive it is to be gay, I think, implying that. Sure. Like sure, we sure. talked about in Screen 2. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> gay characters tend to get killed off. Yeah. Um, well, and then when he is has... being beset upon by Ghostface, he says, yeah. I'm gay. And I couldn't take that. I couldn't tell, like, is he being honest or is he just lying to get out of it? Either way, I feel weird. Yeah. 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 I agree. I don't know. And it feels weird that they would call attention to that and try and make that a joke. And it's like, right. Are we are we not tackling the, the whole black people die in these movies? Like, <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. survives. Like, I don't know. That, that felt yeah. like weird territory We're- to kind of tread when there's kind of a an elephant in the room. Right. That, you know. Yeah. This topic is kind of just been sitting there for every single movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still not not quite there. Yeah, um, I'll be curious. Uh, I feel like Scream twenty twenty two would be the one to really dive into that at this point. We'll we'll see if they've learned anything over the next decade. And I don't um, I don't off the top of my head know who's in that. I guess Melissa Barrera yeah. is in that cast, and she's that next. But I don't really know like. Yeah. much about look, that cast so look it's sure. fine if 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 that doesn't come through for us we'll watch a haunted house and a haunted house 2 starring marlon wayans it'll <laughs> yeah. all be fine and haunted we won't hate ourselves at the end of that haunted mansion starring edward murphy yeah i can only come up with great ideas when i'm in a not great headspace i don't know about you <laughs> it's it's your coping mechanism <laughs> i was i was very happy to see uh my president laura Roslin. That is to say, Mary McDonnell from uh, Battlestar Galactica sure. uh, in this movie. And I was very sad that she died. All she got to do was mom stuff. I was I was kind of surprised she didn't spend the whole movie chopping vegetables. Like I was kind of surprised bit. that they gave her as much to do. Yeah. You know, because normally sure. that kind of character, you kind of have a couple of token scenes and then you kind of just write her out of the movie. Yeah. But in this, like, she gets like an emotional, like, couple of scenes and then she dies. Yeah. yeah she gets stabbed through a, a mail slot mm-hmm. in the door. Um, and it's it's kind of weird because they start to set up a thing of like, oh, it's repeating the pattern of the original Woodsboro, King, Woodsboro killings. Uh, but then Jill calls her mom like partway through the movie. It's kind of like, wouldn't she be the first to die? That doesn't really track, I feel like, throughout most of the movie. I don't know. Um, but yeah. 
It was it was an odd like usage of her as a character. Right. But you know, I like seeing Mary McDonald and stuff. She's great. I also like yeah. that they mentioned Last House on the Left. And I was really hoping that they would just do a detour and talk a lot about how the last ha- last house on the left is based on an Ingmar Bergman movie, <laughs> that like this schlocky horror thing in America is based off of a Swedish art film. Sure. I think is is funny, and I wish they had just started talking about it. Didn't Wes Cra- Craven do Last House on the Left? Oh, did he? I don't know. Maybe confirm. Maybe the original or the There's no way to know. Yes, yeah. he did. Huh. Nineteen seventy-two. Uh, Interesting. Right. Well, there you go. Uh, I I quite like how they. I think in the original Scream, uh, I have already forgotten who the like original. The, is that is that where Drew Barrymore shows up just to die? Um, yeah, in the opening scene, uh, where she I think says like a few different horror movie names at, of the time uh, when she's on the phone with the killer to try and like guess whatever the answer the killer is looking for is. I don't remember the question, um, but then the killer in this one. Do, <laughs> Does he ask, like, in the reboot something, and then uh, Hayden Panettiere lists, like, 30 seconds worth of movie reboots? Yeah, yeah it's It's very good. That's I right. like it quite a bit. I think it's it's silly in, in a good way, I think, um, because it just keeps going, and I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, I, I like that. She gets, like, really obscure, too, with it, mm-hmm. which is neat. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she does a stranger calls, or, you know, she gets, yeah. like, really... Like all these these terrible reboots that bombed horribly. Yes. Maybe it's when a stranger calls. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's called Stranger Calls. But yeah, she was getting the stuff that I've I've never heard of, and like, oh, it was pretty cool. And when when she's the the thing about like what are the various killers' weapons? Um, I was like, I would have just said big knife for Michael Myers. I wouldn't have even thought to call it butcher knife. It's been like it's a big, big, big knife, pointy spoon, um, and I guess his, uh, Freddy Krueger does have razor gloves. I thought they were like needles, but I haven't. We haven't done those movies yet, so. Yeah, that's actually what we're doing next week. All right, congrats, all of them at the same time. <laughs> oh no! Good luck. Start it up now. <laughs> I need sleep. <laughs> But Alex, if no, you... not anymore because Freddy Krueger's gonna get you. Yeah, if you no, work in your so... sleep, you work in real life. <laughs> uh, I have other thoughts about this movie if I can get a- get around to remembering them. Um, I think that <sighs> ultimately, I feel like the the big problem, which is probably why we're gonna run out of the things to say before too long here, is that. The beginning is funny and interesting and weird, and the end is funny and interesting and weird, uh, and they're both kind of over the top and really swing for the fence. And I, I really think the middle is kind of like, there's fun quirks along the way, but there's not a whole lot that's like, oh, that's the stuff I'm going to remember about this movie. There's a lot of the, like, we're drumming up drama between Dewey and Gale, and Gale is like, it, it's focusing on Gale, which Gale is a great character, and I like that we're continuing to kind of focus on her, but talking about, like, her dealing with um the like kind of basically her 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 original career that was started with the woodsboro woodsboro murders book petering out because the stab franchise has kind of finally fallen on its last legs and uh she doesn't really have any more material and so she wants to try something new but she can't think of something new 
Um, and then like her being jealous of Sydney for having started a new book that's also based on the Gillings. Like, I, I think it's it's fine. It's a fine way to take the characters, and it's like okay, yeah, you you know you do want to like if you're gonna have a movie that's exploring how a franchise reinvents itself, then you know it makes sense to have the main character be or one of the main characters be thinking about that and be thinking about reinvention and like struggling to reinvent there is a great moment where she writes uh i don't know what to effing write on her uh word doc (laughs) which is trying to figure out her which relatable um (laughs) and and i thought that was good but i i do think that because from there you kind of get a lot of the like oh dewey's the sheriff now and he doesn't want to take you know have her helping him he feels like it'll look weird and uh, there's a lot of interpersonal drama that I think never really feels like the movie's going to commit to it or do anything with it and kind of gets resolved fairly early uh, relative to the whole movie and the, the climax of the movie. Um, so uh, I feel like the, a lot of the middle of the movie is not wasting time, but it's like, eh, we, we get it. Let's yeah. get to the end. Let's see. Let's see what you really have up your sleeve in terms of the finale and the, the killer and, like really uh, pulling back the curtain. I think a lot of the middle of it is, is not quite as compelling because we're kind of waiting around for, okay, what's the big reveal? What, what are we actually going to do here? That's going to make us like, like feel like this all pays off. Um, yeah, and yeah. I do, I do feel like these movies are a, a hair over long. Yeah. Like, like you could, you could trim it down. Not, not by a lot, five minutes or something, just, you know, tighten it up a little bit. This really did kind of um, remind me a bit of the first one in terms of structure. Um, where basically like the last 45 minutes you have like an extended party or like we're stuck mm-hmm. at someone's house with a larger group and then like just chaos ensues. Um, and I think that's fine for the first movie. I think that works well enough, especially because, you know, you're introducing all these new characters. It's the first time we've seen any of them and you're doing world building and stuff. Yeah. But for me, it just felt like not a whole lot happened in the movie. Like, it felt like there were large swaths of it where I'm like, yeah, people are getting killed. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like there's a really in-depth mystery that we're trying to follow. There's not, you know, like, two and three, I feel like had a bit more going on plot-wise. This one felt a little bare bones, but then it comes in at the end and saves the day with with the twist and has something compelling there um yeah for a lot of it i was like man this is really missing like randy or somebody to have like just a long just like scene yeah you know just to be like okay here's the standout moment in the movie you know all the deaths i think are interesting at least i will say that i I think there's not as much like where we talk about the last one just kind of dragging on with like ah we got to kill off all these people somehow um, this one felt like there was kind of a particular crafted uh, death for each each character. Um, we talked about uh, Olivia, their friend, who there's a whole part where uh, Jill and Kirby are in their room, and then they can see Olivia in the house across the window of the house across from them, and they're like being told that the killer's in the closet on the phone. They're like, oh my gosh, and they open the closet, and Kirby's like, you're not there, and then he's like, I didn't say it was your closet, yeah. and then he comes out of Olivia's room and murder. That's good. That's a good twist. Um, Robbie, 
uh, has the whole thing where he like is drunk and he knocks his headset off and then he puts it on backwards and it's like, oh, the killer is going to come up behind him. He's going to see it. Uh, and then he he looks at it and he's like, oh, it's backwards. And then he like takes it off and puts it back on the right way and then the door opens and the killer's yeah. there and that's that's fun that's that's fun playing with expectations um trevor gets kind of the the worst of all of it he gets shot in the yeah. uh, genitals and then the forehead and I, I, that. during the movie forgot who trevor was like sure. which i think is on untru- i think i think that's intentional for them to be like yeah. Here's the boyfriend. He's not a part of this. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very clearly setting up as like you don't know much about him. Maybe he's the killer. Yeah. Maybe he's it's just like Billy Loomis, and then it's the opposite. So right. that's fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they they even say specifically like Jill is the Sydney, Charlie is the Randy. Like right, that's what we're doing here, uh, and, and that is fun. This time the geek will get the girl, kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, and then Jill murders him, which is also fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, si- Similar ish to Billy and Stu. Sure. Uh, Only I think you get the feeling with Billy and Stu that it was accidental and that yeah, or, and that Jill is like this is all part of her plan was to be the yes. sole survivor and become famous yeah. for it. The scene where right after that where Jill is uh, violently assaulting herself. Uh, yeah, she that's awful. Yeah. Makes Trevor. She, she uses Trevor's dead hand to mm-hmm. claw at her face and tear out her hair and she runs up against the mirror and she jumps into the coffee table. Uh, she like stabs herself on the shoulder by pressing herself against the wall. Um, it's like maybe the best scene in the movie. It's It's, very affecting and very painful to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At first when it started, I was like, this is a little, this is a little too real. Mm. But then when, when like she's thrown herself over the table and the glass is breaking and everything, I'm like, okay, this is, this is entering (laughs) a level of absurdity that I'm okay with. Yes. (laughs) All right. All right. You won me back, Craven. You won me back. Yes. Funny thing is, there's an identical scene in her Nancy Drew movie. Crazy. Yeah. Wild. We take the turn. And Um, and Hotel for Dogs. It's a (laughs) a trilogy. (laughs) It's wild. And she probably played American Girl at some point. Um, is she in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Probably. Or no. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2? <laughs> maybe. Look up Emma Roberts' Traveling Pants. Um, I never did the I, synopsis, but you guys can figure it out. Well, while you do that, I do quite like the ending of this as well, where after there's a whole brawl in the hospital, um, she kind of gives away that she was the one who stabbed Gail, or at least knew where maybe Charlie stabbed Gail. Um, in the shoulder because she's like, oh, we have matching wounds. And it's like, oh no, you slipped up. And that's how Dewey and Gale figured out that you were the killer. Um, she gets electrocuted with the defibrillator in the head. It's yeah. pretty good. Uh, she 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 does the get up one, one last time and this time Sydney uh, does not hesitate and just immediately shoots her. Uh, that's pretty good. Um it's it's a good final scene and then at the end none of the reporters know what have ha- what has happened yet and so they're all standing outside the hospital like the uplifting story of Jill uh whatever her last name is uh you know oh, the, it, was, the young... it was Roberts it was it was it was like really oh really Jill Roberts yeah. um yeah who survived another horrific set of killings and uh is a hero to us all and an inspiration and it's like five a line of like five or six reporters that it's going down the line and, and they're all saying this. And then we just look at her, her dead face. <laughs> it's just like, well, that, 
that left me feeling things. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was a complicated uh ending there. Um I thought it was good. I I thought that that all worked for creating something that was really uh interesting and and kind of creative and different uh, especially than any Halloween movie. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she was not in Sister of the Traveling Pants. Sad. Uh, she was in The Hunt, which I keep meaning to watch. Um, she was oh, in yeah. Little Italy. Uh, Holiday, Nerve, which I heard was pretty good. Um, she was in a movie called The Billionaire Boy, called Billionaire Boys Club. Okay. Um, which is a movie starring Ansel Elgort and Taron Edgerton. And I just want to ask, <laughs> ask uh, Alex, did I spoil your recommendation for this week? What, what did you think of Billionaire Boys Club? I really loved the surprise cameo where Alden Ehrenreich showed up. Like, that oh, was, man. It blew my mind. Now, listen. You put Alden Ehrenreich and Taron Edgerton in a movie. You got you sold me. You sold a ticket. I'll, I'll get there. Are you kidding me? I love but, Alden Ehrenreich. But then, but then Miles Teller showed up. I'm like, oh, we're going to franchise now. <laughs> well, it does have Jeremy Irvine, the star of War Horse. Oh, okay. my God. Yeah. It's um, all right there. It's all right there. Also, uh, Judd Nelson, the star of War Horse, and uh, Kevin Spacey, the star of Horse War. So, a lot of, lot of, lot of people in it. But I, I look forward to Alex because uh, you know, it's on Paramount Plus. So, oh, there we go. There's a there's a Snap. plug. There's a Paramount plug. Um, mm-hmm. we'll we'll await Alex's review on that. Um, and I'll you go I'll go watch Holiday. Starring look, Emma Roberts. Look, you can't do a Paramount Plus plug there. Like, I'm I'm legally obligated to recommend Beavis and Butthead do the universe if that's the streaming service we're going for. That's a good point. I also do uh, have to emphasize that I will not be actually watching that. I'll be watching the film Spy Mate, where it looks like a very young Emma Roberts teams up with a chimp in a suit with some sun- cool sunglasses. So I think you've just, like, dislodged a hidden memory. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> this feels familiar you're flashing uh, back. maybe that's just because it was like a maybe that movie doesn't exist and it's just kind of like an ai amalgamation of <laughs> everything that was made in the early 2000s but like it does sound that, like an mvp most valuable primate kind of deal yeah that that rings a bell let me i just gotta i gotta look that up yeah um while i'm doing that i will say that there is a bust of henry winkler uh, in the school, I don't know if I y'all didn't caught catch that. that. No, uh, I missed it too. it's it's a like blinking you almost thing. It's just it's like kind of off to the side as they're uh, looking down a hallway, um, but it's very good. I I appreciated that. Yeah, that sounds like something I would as a prop that I would steal from the set. I don't think I have watched this movie, but I definitely think I'm like aware will. of this. <laughs> it's from the the producer of Airbud, and also. A guy who I know I have seen in other movies. Richard Kind. There we go. Oh my god. He, Richard, Richard Kind, kind is, is in great. it. He's amazing. Oh my goodness. This monkey, this ape has a Hawaiian shirt. Yes. Funny spy chimp teams of spy friends, smart daughters to stop the bad guy from using a super weapon. Alex, we, everyone, we're taking a break. We're doing Spy Mate next week. This is amazing. I don't, I don't think I've seen this. I think I'm aware of it. Very Bostwick. Back in the day, I probably saw it. it Pat like, Morita? I'm never going to forget this. The mom from that 70s show? <laughs> no no amount this, of therapy will ever make this moment okay. This does seem like something that would just like pull in Timothy Dalton out of nowhere. And we're like, oh, that's the James <laughs> Bond connection, I guess. Now we have to do it. Okay, Here's but I really, probably, don't, but... I really don't think you understand the costumes they put this chimpanzee in. 
He is multiple bonds at this point. He's, <laughs> Alex, he's in a skiing thing. He James Bond loves to ski. He does. No, looks like it's, it's raining. On his business card. It says James Bond 007. He's, he's laying in a bed with <laughs> with sushi. This someone gave this chimpanzee sushi. <laughs> Look, everyone, we really don't want to talk about Scream 4. Like, no, I do, I fine. do. It's we fun, and I like talk about it. It's great, all the death, but I really want to watch Spy Mate. <laughs> birthday, birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that actually does sound more enticing I, than what, what, what we're, we're actually, actually going to be doing. For your the amount of, t- just, to, we're, I'm not going to tell the audience what we're doing. Just to give the audience a little teaser, the amount of times I've had to say, through my hands, I'm ringing in 34 by watching blank. <laughs> Spy Look, mate. Spy if, mate. If anyone oh, is, is even mildly uh, movie savvy and understands franchises, you can probably guess. I give you three guesses. You can you can figure out what we're doing. That's it's Jurassic World Dominion. Bridgerton. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that will be what we do next on the That's podcast <laughs> is, is our uh season by season breakdowns yeah it's, <laughs> which has probably seven seasons by now i don't just know just two um but eh. it, but uh it's okay i'll do a standalone podcast about it called brit jerton yes there we go happy birthday thank um, you um i like the fact that spy mate does not quite work as a pun i think that's pretty good too yeah like that's it's true. almost there yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. not it's like you want to like it sounds more like a chess thing than, than primate. That's good. It would that, almost be better. That sells it. If he were like an old, uh, an old person who was like still had a lot of energy. It was a spry mate. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. something. I don't know. I'll call. I, I assume Tim Miller, whoever directed it. Yeah. Um. Probably Richard Kind. <laughs> there you go. Oh God, what a gift. That's pretty good. Um, I give Scream Four a B minus. Okay, I liked it. I I also give it a B minus. Oh snap! All right. Oh, okay, uh, I'll give it the same grade I gave Scream Three, because I feel like they do kind of balance each other out in terms of like sure. what I think works and what worked on me. You know, objective and subjective. I think they're pretty. Like I I definitely think that I have warmed to it more in our in our conversation. Maybe it's just you know the cozy hug of Spy Mate that's putting me in a mm-hmm. a more giving mood. Um, Britain, did you actually say what your grade was? For, it was a C minus, I believe. Yes. Okay. No, because you had just said it was what I gave. Screen oh, okay. Three, yeah, so I, I believe. Yeah, sure I believe it's audience. A, okay. The, the, you Sorry. know, I want to give the audience a fair shake. They don't have to go to the last episode to figure <laughs> out what you gave. Well, it, but, you know. they should because you should, should like and subscribe wherever. That yeah, was a good you episode. Get your podcast. We talked about uh, Scream Three in it. Give us five star reviews. We want. We will if. I probably, I think I've already promised other movies uh, as our bonus Patreon episodes if we ever do a Patreon, but uh, wipe those away. Spy Mate is now our <laughs> bonus Patreon episode. Uh, if you ever, if you, uh, you bums ever get up off the couch and, and give us and a like and subscribe. create us a Patreon account and, and then donate us... money to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to, well, you just have to get the audience going a little bit here and then we'll start the Patreon uh, and we'll, we'll do, we'll do a little Spy Mate. Yeah, it'll be called Spy Mates. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, It's also an app by which we deliver you spy stuff. (laughs) Using a monkey. (laughs) There you go, Barnaby. (laughs) Take them their band-aids or whatever. 
I hand deliver newspapers, but it's got a tiny hole cut through it, so you can see you can <laughs> you can eavesdrop on people. That's that's that that would be my. What, what would you guys drop off for for spymate? A uh, watch with a gun on it. Yeah, not not a gun with a watch in the handle. A, a I was watch, hoping Tyler would just a revolver taped to the top of the watch. I was hoping Tyler would just be like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> A desert eagle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a, a predator drone. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, if we get to, a, I'm still on, I'm still on the Patreon thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, sell our podcast, hypothetical podcast episode about a monkey doing a performance as if I am a carnival busker selling you a performance of a monkey that is that is what i'm doing here i'm saying you need to give us views go find more phones to download our podcast on uh and like and subscribe to it and put comments on it and be like hey this is a good podcast five five stars uh just so you can get the monkey yep that's that's our promise to you um and then we'll we'll sell off the episode as an nft or whatever (laughs) Spymate NFT is coming soon. <laughs> I really would. We talk about a lot of movies on this podcast that we don't end up doing episodes on. One of these days, we're going to have to do one of them. I guess we already did Bone Tomahawk, but like that's a bit different. Yeah, but that's not quite. Yeah, that's a different. We we, uh, we good movies. We end up find, finding an excuse right, at some right. point to be like, hey, we want to talk about this. But eventually, uh, we kind we kind of have to look down the hallway and go, are we going to watch Spymate? <laughs> like. <laughs> But wait, are we gonna do that? And then we end up being like, I don't know, let's do Scream. <laughs> well. Um, if you want to uh, know how you can uh, further our brand so that you can uh, learn what we have to say about the monkey with the Hawaiian shirt, uh, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can email us at herecomesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify. Uh, we are on uh, Apple Podcast, all the podcast apps. I do have a meme to describe. Somebody has emailed us a meme. This comes from a uh, friend of the podcast, Joseph, uh, who sent us uh, an email. So uh, this email, the subject line is Hello Meme. Good. Um, Good. <laughs> Glad someone else is single, playing in the space with me. A single Instagram link. Um, have you looked at this I before? Don't... Have you met <laughs> I have. Okay. I was um, <laughs> hoping you hadn't. Uh, yeah, really. This is oh I I looked up okay so so the <laughs> I had to look up what this was apparently uh, you guys ever heard of a movie where cars can so, talk <laughs> This is an this is an insta it's relevant this okay. this meme is relevant it is an Instagram reel uh where uh it's from uh a guy named Mesh and he's got a flag next to his name and it's like I think it's the I looked at this up I think it's the flag of Antigua maybe barbados it's got a trident on it that's how it's it's like very okay. distinctive if one of you wants to check me on that look up like flag with a trident it's like yellow it's in blue and got a blue trident so like that's very important context uh the the, the man's username barbados. is at barbados okay is at r-a-h-r-a-h-s-h uh three three m so i assume that's like a regime some sort of spelling of that um so this is a there's a clip that's that's playing here um the caption is it's how he rose back up that's taking me tf out uh sob emoji four laughing emojis um and then what's happening in the scene 
This doesn't is, sound like a meme. There is a there is a child. Uh, he is wearing a Michael Myers uh, costume. So he's got like a big a big mask that's too big for his head. Uh, and he is standing on a hay bale in the middle of a bunch of hay bales. Uh, there's some pumpkins. It's very you know clearly this is like a uh, you know family fun farm kind of thing going yeah. on. There's 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 something there's some good vibes. There's a um, somebody with like a an alien inflatable hugging him as his costume. Um, can't really make out a lot of the other costumes. I think there's a Batman in there. There is a minion that flashes for half a second off to the side. Um, <laughs> so that's that's. If you there. go back and rewatch the video, the minion is not there. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, and and so basically this this uh michael myers child is standing on a hay bale uh and he goes to step on another hay bale uh and that hay bale rolls out from under him so he falls backwards and lands on his back uh kind of kind of more his butt and then uh realizes kind of what he's done and flattens out to look like uh you know kind of a michael myers like classic sort of michael myers takeout yeah he's fallen on the ground and like it's like, oh, I guess maybe he's out. And then, you know, they look away and they look back and he's gone. Um, and then he he turns back up really quickly, like Michael Myers would off the ground. He does this big, you know, kind of like yeah. jump scare uh, forward up kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and gets back up on his feet very slowly, staring kind of menacingly near the camera, uh, much like Michael Myers would. Um, top tier meme. Good, good Halloween meme. Um, good, good fits the season. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Rashim from Barbados, I suppose. Um, big fan. Yeah. If you would like me to describe your meme, <laughs> send it, send it my way. Send it, send it to here come the sequels at gmail.com. Uh, we will, we will describe your memes. Uh, that is my guarantee to you. I don't care what it is. I'll, I'll censor if I have to. Um, I will, I will take, you know, sort of the, the mental blow if, if it's something truly horrifying. Um, I prefer you don't do that. I prefer you send something fun. Um, but like, if you're listening and you're like, "Hey, I want to hear this guy describe a meme," do it. S- send me the meme. That we have a segment on our podcast where a young dad describes memes is what the boomers were afraid of. I, this we are fighting the good fight here. <laughs> we I've are. Always we said. truly are. Speaking of Paramount Plus. Um, look, <laughs> I, look I, I think we're all in need of a vacation of sorts. So if you want to, su- uh, you know, submit some some uh, some cash to that good old Patreon, we'll be recording our next well, episode from Barbados. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see if we can figure out where the Michael Meyer meme happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, we will go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll take photos. We'll be like selfies. Thumbs yeah. up. And maybe Spymate, too. Happen yeah with yeah. us yeah <laughs> be like um, uh yeah it'll be great so we already skipped over my first segment which is where i do a synopsis for the movie um <laughs> would, would you like to do this yeah actually i will just to give people some context <laughs> okay that. this whole episode's out of order you're out of order <laughs> it's the movie. this is subverting expectations where this whole meta narrative podcast whoa it has <laughs> scream four. The synopsis reads thus: It has been many years since the Ghostface Killer cut a deadly path through the town of Woodsboro. In order to get over the trauma of those horrific events, Sidney Prescott, who a Briton thought would have uh, bad bangs, but then they sorted themselves out, has written a self-help book. Not really. 
She returns to Woodsboro for her book tour and reconnects with old friends Gail Weathers and Sheriff Dewey. However, Sydney's arrival also sparks the return of Ghostface, putting Sydney and everyone she loves in danger. So now you now you know. Well, good. It all Tyler. makes sense. No, um, I think that's important context that yeah. people might have been missing. So right, glad we that got that. She wrote a self help book, quote unquote. Um, but also, Tyler, we, if you feel the yeah. need to splice that into the beginning, don't. Nah, just let yeah, it, no, I, let just, it run. I think yeah, let it breathe. The thing about reboots is we just kind of mess with the structure. Yeah. Um, but I'll still do a recommendation because mm-hmm. darn it, it's spooky time. So I recently uh, I rewatched uh, Coraline, the okay. stop motion film based on Neil Gaiman's book that I haven't read, um, and it holds up really really well. I, I I've seen it a couple times and I've always liked it, but I was really surprised at just how well it continues to to work. I think it's such a good movie, and uh, you know it's it's stop motion, of course. Uh, it's directed by Henry Selick, who did. James the Giant Peach, and he directed Nightmare Before Christmas, um, and it's it's such a well made movie. It's it the, obviously stop motion is you know physical sets and physical models being manipulated with with digital assistance and everything uh, to do various effects and facial movements and stuff. But this one in particular feels so physical and it feels so tangible. And there's sequences and set pieces and stunts where I was like, no, that, that there's such a texture to this movie that makes it more transportive. And it also makes it more, I think, affecting when there's some there's some spooky stuff in this. There's some like genuinely like, oh, that's kind of freaky, um, which is which is great. And the movie's done really well. And it doesn't it doesn't it's not done, it doesn't feel cruel, but it doesn't really hold back either, which I which I really like. And I feel like when you have a. I, I, don't know, I, also, I also this might be a future recommendation, but I also watched a. a Studio Ghibli movie. And those movies, I think, are really impressive because they're hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're very... Fr- that, that creates this, like, f- freedom and looseness to them, but they always feel very grounded. And Coraline is kind of the inverse of that, where you, despite being a very physical movie that is very... You would think would be very sort of laden and sort of weighed down by that, it's so uh, uh, free and lofty and just the, the the camera movements are really creative and the f- framing is really great. Like I just was so impressed by how it looked. It's really, the colors are really great. Like it's very bright. Even the grays are really vibrant. Um, uh, the voice cast is really good. You got Keith David in there and Ian McShane. Um, music is fantastic by Bruno Coulet. Uh, I just really, really liked it. It's, it's not a, it hasn't anything to do with Halloween, but I think it's a good like October watch so if you haven't seen it um or if you haven't seen it in a while totally get there Coraline what a it's probably right now my I haven't rewatched a bunch of the others but it's probably my second favorite like a studios movie after Paranorman which Alex and I discussed on this podcast and is amazing um but Coraline is there just oh what a what a what a cool movie Coraline uh I'll repeat my recommendation from last <laughs> week I finished up Cobra Kai it took me like two weeks <laughs> And it's absolutely incredible. And I, I I finished it at a terrible time. It's like the one thing that's been distracting me from, from the, the troubles of work. And uh, I'll need to find something else because what I have tried has not worked. Um, but uh, Cobra Kai is, is awesome. And I, I, I'm just fascinated by just how absolutely insane it gets. Like, it gets insane. Like, there's... There's the Karate Kid equivalent of a world domination plot in the I latest see. season, and it's 
It's amazing. Is there a chimp with a Hawaiian shirt and bed sushi? It's taking you too long to answer. (laughs) You should remember. They've said that they they are working away at season six. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say, they've got to be taking their time for some reason. Okay. (laughs) Good point. They got to pick the right shirt. Okay. Uh, point being, season six can't come fast enough, and it's awesome. If you like or even mildly care about Karate Kid, watch it. It's it's amazing. And also, if you're tired of franchises that carry on too long and don't handle the characters the way you, that you want them to, uh, Cobra Kai is a good alternative. For the layman <laughs> who has only seen the original Karate Kid and the Jaden Smith one, would you still recommend it? Wholeheartedly. Cool. Bring back Hillary Swank, you cowards! <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. Tyler, do you want to recommend Alaska Daily? That's uh, premiered. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's on... Uh, I haven't watched it. No. Well, yeah, you probably want the episodes to stack a little bit. Yeah. Was, yeah. We'll, we'll review the whole thing. You can't. It's not called Alaska Weekly. Come on. Yeah. As in you would want to be able to watch one every day. Sure, okay. Yeah. It took me a second to get around to that. Yeah, you, yeah. You brought it. Um, I'm going to re- recommend a graphic novel called Murder Falcon. Um, (laughs) wow that sounds great (laughs) and uh the the kind of like basic premise of it is a uh sort of former guitarist uh gets back into playing his guitar so that he can power a falcon man who has a big fist and a gun uh to fight evil monsters um this isn't rob liefeld is it it's no it is very far from rob liefeld thankfully um uh it it is from uh writer artist daniel warren johnson um who's been doing a lot of cool stuff he uh he did a beta ray bill comic that is the thing that kind of like hooked me onto him um and he also did uh or is doing something that i'm very excited to read called jurassic league which is a dc book about dinosaurs as the justice league i think Um, i've seen that actually yeah have not read any of that, but that looks amazing too. But Murder Falcon, uh, that is the kind of like very high level thing. The actual kind of thematic under undertones of the entire story are sort of the uh, the purpose and the power of artistic expression in the face of despair and trauma. Um, it's incredible. It's it's a ton of fun. It's it's a blast, and it's also very moving um, and very just like. And, and an incredible story um really really well done uh i was i was a huge fan i i picked it up a little while ago and then finally got around to reading it and knocked it out in like a day basically um and i would highly recommend uh going and tracking it down it's just like one complete thing it's not it's not a big old a big old comic thing normally if i recommend a comic thing i'm talking about some big commitment but this is i don't know maybe 200 pages uh just just to good old graphic novel and i was a big fan yeah that sounds really good i am i am looking for it right now actually <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome three very similar things you can watch if only mm-hmm. i knew how to read <laughs> <laughs> well alex it's a graphic novel so you can look at the pictures you yeah can, like i mean any good graphic no- steven spielberg i once ha- heard him say that if you want to learn about movies, watch them on mute with no subtitles and see if you can get the story just by watching the images, see how well that's communicated through just the visual components of a movie. Um, And so I think a graphic novel, you can maybe do the same thing, just sort of see, can you map the Murder Falcon's arc 
just through the panels. See, George Lucas said the same thing, but he was specifically talking about the Star Wars prequels, and I went, I don't believe you. <laughs> you, I mean, I feel- actually, um, I think, I think, uh, you got it wrong. George Lucas once said, uh, if you if you want to watch a movie, uh, and and just want to hear it and don't want to see the movie, you can close your eyes. <laughs> That I do that. My my favorite movie is A Thousand Miles, directed by Vanessa Carlton. It's <laughs> it's so short, but it I love it. It's my favorite movie. George Lucas's his his true calling has been a musician all this time, and he doesn't realize it. He should actually have been in a in a metal band. Then, oh my! In the eighties, oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be great. I don't know what it would be called. <laughs> I don't know Metal George or something. <laughs> Metal Lucas. What am I talking about? Be Metal Lucas. No, I like Metal George. Metal George. This is my hello. This is my band, Metal George. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like the most heavy, like, and and he just like randomly has Mark Hamill in the back playing the drums. (laughs) Very no, no. The band are all dressed as Figure and Dan and his uh, his band that I won't say the name of on our podcast. Um. But it's figuring Dan and the modal nodes, actually. There's an instrument that I wouldn't say. I take it back. Um, Metal George. Metal George, which is uh, my new favorite thing. I've been to a live music venue near you. Yep, Dodgers Stadium. (laughs) I've been Britain. (laughs) I've been Alex. Keep going. You got one more. One more. Say it. I, I already said I've been Tyler. No, but Alex has to say, and you're having a good night. Oh, was that last? I completely missed Tyler. Oh, it's you're having a good time. night. <laughs> <laughs>